the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the final part in our series on our church's vision, this week looking at restoration of biblical Christianity. The main reading is 1 Peter chapter 2. Amen. Great chapter there, bless the Lord. And uh, come to the last letter of our vision, who we are, what we want to be. And I was just looking at this and I thought, uh, when I wrote this, I must have tried to put everything in this last one by you. Um, restoration of true biblical Christianity. Our vision, of course, a first century church, ministry, spiritual gifts in full operation, spontaneous spirit-led worship, which is born out of a righteous, holy life, full of the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, when we, and, and as, as we look over history, we can see how God has been restoring everything to the church. Um, uh, you can look, um, I think uh, one of the Mattesy chaps wrote a book many years ago, the um, Never Failing Stream, I can't think, I think it was something like that, of, of the Holy Spirit always, always doing the work and always baptising people, but it's only in the last sort of um, century or so where that's been a, a real, uh, you know, a focus. Um, you can go back to, I suppose, where, where it started with Luther, where it was a, you turn from religion to the reality of the gospel, and then we see all the different denominations bringing back certain things that people had forgotten. So, I mean, if you look at the Baptist Church, they began to baptize in water, where they, they hadn't done that, they were in more infant baptism in those days. Methodist, well, you know, Wesley, great man of evangelism and uh, bringing some order to, to, you know, putting people in classes, so they built up and discipled. And right up until, uh, I suppose, 80, 90 years ago now, the Pentecostal movement where the baptism of the Spirit, people were filled with the Spirit, spoke in tongues, began to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And it's very interesting that a lot of these um, denominations didn't start, that's a bit, that's a very interesting, they didn't start up because they wanted to. They were pushed out. Um, and they had to start, you know, uh, Wesley, even to his dying day, was still a member of the uh, Anglican Church. But they didn't want him. <laughs> he said, don't come here preaching the gospel. And uh, he went to many churches and they kicked him out. So he went and preached in the, in the, in the fields. And uh, like our, our forefathers in Pentecost, mm. they were pushed out yeah. and uh, squeezed out okay. of churches yeah. because they said, no, we don't want any of this. <laughs> don't want any of this. Um, so, and so we have, a, we have a, we are, we're now at that stage where I suppose all the, the teaching and the, 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 it's restored, if you like, um, but we need a we need a real move of God, don't we? Um, you know, there, you can get like, teaching on everything, can't we? Now, no, no excuse. Now we got teaching on on the ministry gifts, on the supernatural gifts, on the gifts of the Father, said gifts of the Son, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we we come to that point where we, we see God doing a lovely work and God wanting to touch the church. Well, of course, we must have a focus and a vision. We must know our identity, shouldn't we? If we don't know our identity, that's where we get lost. Reading a book and uh, seeing how the church has lost identity, I suppose, in, in the uh, Western world. Um, and um, I always remember that we used to, in, in Methodism, occasionally, uh, at certain certain services, read out the creeds. You know, I mean, they might do it regularly in the church. But um, he, he was saying those creeds, one from, you know, 300 AD and that, just bring a foundation to know what we believe. I believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and so often we've, we've, we've forgotten those and we've drifted away. Do we know what, people don't know what they believe now, do they? They go to church and, um, you know, they believe, 
but you, then, you, then you try and pin them down on what you believe and who you believe and then um, uh, so we, we come into that we need to know identity we need to know vision uh, why because the Bible tells us so Proverbs 29 verse 18 where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint mm. but blessed is he who keeps the law where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, where there's no focus, there's no and and uh, uncovering, people lose, it go wild. We find that they're very interesting. That particular that word you'll find it comes from Exodus 32. What happened in Exodus 32? Moses up on the hill, wouldn't he? Where's this Moses gone? He must be dead. Aaron, make some make some gods for us. And the Bible says. Um, he was a bit of a snake. Aaron, wasn't he? He said, um, when, when challenged, he said, oh, I threw it in, up came this bull. Oh, yeah, I think so now. The Bible says he manufactured, and he said, these are your gods. These are your gods. And the Bible says, when Moses came down, they were wild. There was unrestrained, and goodness knows what was going on. And, but that's what the word is. Where there's no vision, there's no revelation, there's no focus, unrestrained, wild. Where people don't know there's a God, can't see a God, can't see a real God, what happens? They make gods of their own, they do their own thing, go their own way, and uh, we've got to be careful in the church. We need the Lord. We need our focus on Him, who He is, what He's done, why? Because what happened? We'll drift, end up in chaos, going around, doing our own thing. Um, and of course, the New Testament picks that up and very clearly to the Hebrew church again, who were just about veering away, wanted to give up, going here and there. And so he comes and he, he's getting a bit straight with him then, Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily enslaves us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So he's telling us, as a personal and as a corporate church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because that'll stop you from veering off and giving up. You know, because we, we're prone to veering off and we're prone to think, oh, no, I've had enough of it. Why? Because we take our eyes off him. We we'll keep our eyes on him. We we'll keep we we'll keep on a straight path, the clear path, and he'll stop us from thinking, oh, "This is hard work." But sometimes it can be hard work. No. Christians are hard work. No, no, no. Uh, we're hard work ourselves. But keep our eyes on him. Keep our eyes on him. We we'll keep our eyes on him, and we'll we'll be. And, and as a church, we need to keep our eyes on him. Why? Because the Bible says, you see, in the, there's, there's two strains. Uh, it's a balance in the Word of God, isn't it? In the last days, things are going to get worse. Yeah, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? In perilous times, it says, no doubt about it. Things get. We look now today, and things that are normal and and no, things that are unnatural have been called natural. So things aren't getting worse. But the Bible also says the Lord, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. The Lord will bless, and he, when we read some verses. The Lord will pour out. So there's that. That balance there, isn't it? And we're saying, Lord, we're going to keep our eyes on you. The church, even, there's going to be a greater distinction between the true church and the the, uh, the false church. The, the, we, the Lord gives us that parable of the, the, the weeds and the grain, didn't he? And uh, it wasn't till right, because they looked the same, the Bible says. 
I think it's Darnell, isn't it? The, 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 um, the, the weed and the thing. But it wasn't until right at the end there was the greatest distinction where they could see the difference. And that's what will happen in the last days. There will be a great distinction between what is real, the gospel and the power and the true church, and that which is false. So we, we, but our job is to get our eyes on him, keep our eyes on him. Why? Because the Lord says, I will build my church. Yeah. Bless the Lord. Uh, Matthew 16. And Simon Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but the Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. That is his promise. He will build, he will build. We must never forget the local church where we are is God's vehicle that he uses to manifest and preach and proclaim the gospel and to establish a gateway to heaven. We forget the local church is the place of destiny, the place of divine encounter and the place of dependence where we build each other, where we, there's a protection and people have forgotten that. People have used the local church or used church uh, as, as a, for convenience and uh, as a, um, like a supermarket. Oh, I like, I, like, I like what's happening there. So I'll go there. Mm. But I like, I like some of the stuff down in Sainsbury's as well, or Asda's. And, and we, we, that kind of mentality is coming in instead of understanding, look, where do you want me, Lord? Right, I'm here. This is my local church, and I'm going to stick it out. Why? Because this is the place where you want me to use, be used and to minister and to be dependent, be built up and bring the gospel to my lost world. And uh, we've, we've lost that uh, vision of what the ch local church is. But the Lord said, I will build my church. And also... In the local church, there's where we have edified, built up. The word edify means to build, means to build. Uh, let's read uh, um, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, I think. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to measure to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the Lord is not just building his church, he's building his people in the church. The ministry gifts from Christ, those gifts, remember, are there to build us, to edify us. To build us up. And, and we see right, it, right through the New Testament that the, the, obviously the prophetic word is what ultimately is to edify, to exhort, to comfort. The Bible says fellowship is there to edify us. Romans says, do not please yourself, ooh, but please your brother in that you are there to build him up. Oh, now, of course, what worldly thinking is, I've come here to be blessed, isn't it? That's, that's the word. I'm here to be blessed. I'm here to receive. Well, what does the Bible say? No, I've come to actually bless others. That's the Lord's asking you to come and bless others. The Lord's asked you to come and give. Better to give and receive. And I, it's amazing. Now, God's merciful, isn't he? And when we come with that attitude, sometimes God is gracious and he blesses us. Depending, sometimes we, we've come because we've, 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 been, we've been worn out, maybe, and the Lord is gracious. 
But you know what? We've, we, you find if you come and say, Lord, I just want to bless someone. I want to come and lift someone up and bless someone. You are blessed, isn't it? More so. Uh, it's amazing. When you bless someone, you think, Lord, you used even me. You used even me. And the Lord wants to use you to bless those around us. Not to please ourselves, he said, but to bless those. To build each other. To edify, edify those. So God is building. He comes here to build. We're here to be built up. Built up. Why? He says there, to be a perfect man. Bit of work to be done. Of course, that word perfect means complete. But even they don't make excuses. We don't make excuses. When the Bible says, uh, be perfect like your heavenly father's perfect that's our aim yeah sometimes we say oh I'll never be that well wait a minute now that's generally an excuse to, to not to try isn't it oh you know I, I'm never going to be that so I'm going to no 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 the Lord says look there's a work to be done he knows that day by day line upon line precept upon deed as we build each other the Lord's building his church but he's also blessing his church as Israel was the apple of his eye, so is the church. It's the apple of his eye. That's amazing, isn't it? You are the apple of his eye. You are the apple. He blesses us. He blesses us. Ephesians 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Well, that's a, He's blessed us with just a few blessings. No, no, no. Every spiritual blessing is ours. So, what, so if that's the case, why haven't we got it? So, so whose fault is it? Well, God says, look, I blessed you with every spiritual blessing. So there's the, the only issue is me, isn't it? Me. Me is the issue. Because the Bible says, you did not, Romans 8, you did not spare his only son. Will he not freely give us all things to reign in life? Amazing. God blesses his church. God wants his church to be built up and to be blessed. Why? Because we're his body, we're his bride, we're his people. Blessed. Not just to be blessed, but to be again Again, we, we, we get that worldly thinking, oh, I've come to be blessed. And we become that, 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 that bit of selfishness is always in. We've got to always check that, always check our, that me in, in me. Because really, we only need to be blessed to be a blessing. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. There we are. So our lives are blessed, and doesn't matter what happens to us, what anyone says or does to us, we are to respond with blessing. Oh, ho, ho. Now, there's the challenge. But there's the challenge of growing in God. We saw last week about our greatest evangelism is the life change, a life being like Jesus. And, and, and that's going to be tested. It is, it is, we did the fruit of the Spirit. I can easily say to you, I am the most patient man in the world. I'm the most long-suffering man in the world. And then, and then that'll be tested, wouldn't it? 
wife will say something, the wife will keep on saying something, the wife will do something, something will happen in work, and that'll be tested. Why? It's got to be tested to be proved and to grow. Anything that's got to be, and God is into us for we are being blessed. God blesses the church so we can bless others. Uh, God does that. And God also, another B for you, He's beautifying His church. Yeah? He's not coming back for a church that is dirty and is, you know, the bride, bride. Not coming back with a bride with a dirty dress on and with, with spots and wrinkles. No, no, no. Bride's going to be absolutely perfect. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. God is beautifying his church. God is beautifying his church. And, and you know what? That sometimes is going to... Hardship has got to do that sometimes. Because you know what? Left our own devices. We like comfort. We like ease. We, we, and then we, we're really lazy people. Most people. Most of us left our own devices and lazy. And, uh, but, so God has said, God has said, come on. Get up. Let's do a work in you. That in issue in your life, come on, it's got to go. That area in your life, that's not right. Come on, it's got to go. As we said last week, in this family, we don't live like that. In this family, we don't behave like that. It's got to change. And God's into beautifying us. And he does it with his word, does it with his presence. Um, he asks us to examine ourselves. And, uh, and the thing is, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest, that's the problem. Um, but as I said many times, uh, Mum used to say so often, if you see issues in other people, perhaps the Lord is revealing that issue in your life through them. That's why the Lord says, be careful you don't take the, 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 the speck out of someone else, you've got a plank in your own eye. Same principle, it's, it's part of our human nature. David, when, when Nathan was telling that story, he said, get that man in here now. Get him in here now, we'll square him up. And Nathan looked him in the eye and said, you are that man. So God is in, in the business of building, blessing, and beautifying his church. God is in the, in the, in, in the process of doing a longing to do that. I'm just looking at some figures uh, how God is restoring. Right, uh, back in 1900, there were only one million with a Pentecostal experience. One million. Uh, today, there are nearly one billion. See how God is, you see how we are coming towards the end, coming towards the end. Um, uh, God is working. In 1900, there were only 8.7 million Christians in Africa. Today, there are 600 million. <laughs> 600 million. Um, in 1900, 34% of the world was Christian. Very interesting today, it's the same percentage. Only 34%. Only 34%. But of course, you've got to remember, in 1900, there were only 1.6 billion people on the planet. Today, there's 7.7 billion. Yeah. Oh, fly. The population from 1800 to 1900, there was only it was 1, 1 billion in 1800 and 1.6 billion in, in uh, 1900. From 1900 to today, it's, it's four times, quadruple. If, no, no, more than quadruple. It's nearly five times, quadruple to 2,000. Um, so we have, but so globally, we could say the Lord is, it's the same in a sense, 34%. So God, you know, we're looking, but what's happened is that the Western world, 
decreased. And where, where is the people getting saved? Central America, South America, the Lord is woo, saving. China, Eastern Bloc, you know, you can go to churches in, in Ukraine and all that with 20, 30, 40,000 people <clears throat> loving the Lord. Generally, if you look at it, where there's hardship, where there's hardship. Not a lot of stuff, not a lot of uh, this world got their eyes on the eternal. Uh, but the Lord is working, the Lord is, is moving, but all that he would uh, move this way. Well, of course, we as a church, yeah, thankfully, <clears throat> again, the Lord gives us a pattern. What are we to be? What are you restoring? What do you want to do, Lord? Well, of course, the pattern is found in the book of Acts, isn't it? Always, this is what we want. This is what, this is what changed the world upside down. When the Lord was moving, where they loved God's word, where the Holy Spirit had his way in, in the fellowship, Lord, have your way. That's what God was doing. Well, of course, we do still have a pattern. Acts 2, 42, 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, <coughs> and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, every man as every man had need. And they continually, daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread and from house to house, to eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We have the pattern, don't we? They continued, they were absolutely devoted to what? Well, we can break it down, but it's specific there. Worship, discipleship, fellowship, Serving and reaching, outreach, service, all those things. They were that and that's the bedrock of what a church is. And if we lose any of those things, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because that's what God said. This is where into, into his word, into his friend, worshiping, worshiping, spontaneous led worship. <clears throat> that's wonderful. Nothing, nothing quite like worship. Because it takes us from the, just going through the motions or we come into his presence. And uh, where God can actually speak into our lives and actually do more sometimes. You know, sometimes we can listen to the word. But when, when we, in fact, if, if you look uh, really there, I suppose, you say, what is the, we sometimes worship before the word. But sometimes, probably, if you look at the pattern in the Old Testament, it, the word came first and the worship came after. I was uh, listening to Paulson. He said he used to have um, uh, an hour's word. And then the worship came after. The word would make way for the worship, he said. And you can work it the other way, but, but they were worship. In church every day, yeah, absolutely. And they, and they worked a lot longer hours than ever. Well, again, they, 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 they understood. They understood church. They understood what what they, they were there for to to know him. Intimacy. Their greatest desire was to know him better. To be built up in the Lord and just to win people, just to show Jesus. That's why they said. They knew people. They knew they'd been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. They knew they'd been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there's our pattern. And, of course, not just there, Jesus tells us, Matthew 28, gives us, as we looked last week, commission. said, this is, come on, this is what you, you are to do. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. 
and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is telling us, now go, get the gospel, but don't just preach the gospel. What you do is, is to make them like me. Teach them, disciple them, and that's why it's, it's great to be in fellowship. Why? Because we have people who have been living, uh, walking, and should be so far ahead that we, the youngsters can say, well, what's happening there? How did you manage this in your life? And, and, and how are you still walking with the Lord? How are you still fruitful in the Lord? How are you still joyous in the Lord? As we said last on Sunday at night, um, and it was, it was actually no more than one I've had in, in the shop, um, elderly folk. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose everyone's elderly, and some just some people. And uh, but but no joy. And, and they know they said, oh, they're miserable. And then I'm thinking, Lord, if there's people in their old age that should be joyous, mm-hmm. is the people of God. That's right, that's because right. we we are just one step away from glory. Right. You know, this is not the end, is it? If it's the end, if this is the end, then I well, we are get depressed, as Paul said, get depressed. <laughs> If you know if you if you're old and you've got no hope, you be depressed. But if you've got a great hope, there's joy, and that should be oozing from us. And people should be saying, "Wait a minute now! They've lived all their life, and there's still joy. There's still there's something, and they're still fruitful. They planted in the house of the Lord." The psalmist said, "And there's fruit, bearing fruit, even in their old age." And so that's why it's so powerful. Um, and that's why he said, "Don't just get the gospel. Teach them. Teach them what I told you. To follow me. To be disciples." Because what? We are the church of the living God. Ephesians 1, 18-23. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what we are, the riches, the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things into his feet and gave him to, the head, to be head over all things to the church. Which is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So wonderful. Look at the scripture there. Hope, inheritance, the power that is ours. Christ is the head and he wants to fill his church. Oh Lord, in these last days, to restore the awesomeness of your body again. Oh, we won't be religion, going through the emotions and religion, but we'll have the power of God, the reality of the gospel. And as we read these last couple of verses, when we meet together, oh Lord, you will be so powerfully there. People will come and say, God is in the house. Why? To meet him. and to be But that, that's who we are. That's the church as God, as he wants it. And if we will allow him, he will do it. Again, the only hindrance to the manifestation of the Lord in all his power and glory in any, in a personal life, in a corporate life, is people. Me. Me. Bless the Lord. Um, this, is, this is the promise of God, though. Acts 2. Acts 2. And it shall come to pass, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit for all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
and on my servants, and on my handmaidens. I will pour out those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Well, that's the promise of God, isn't it? The promise of God, things getting worse, worse and worse, but in the last days I will pour out my spirit. Peter said, get ready. And thankfully, I haven't dreamed dreams yet. But God is, that's God's promise. And that's God's promise. And we can say, Lord, if this is your promise, you promise to do that. This is a restoration of what you want. This is how you started the church, Lord. And, and we should say, Lord, that's what we want. Um, uh, what do we say? What's that? It's not nice always. Well, if it's from the Lord, it's great. Yeah, but it's a bit awesome. Ah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah. You know what they say? If the Lord can't speak to you when he, you know, you're a new city, God speak to you when you're uh, when 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 you're, you're sleeping. And uh, uh, but God's good, and uh, you know, uh, sometimes we we we're a little bit. But you remember, right through the Old Testament, God speaks through dreams. Get all of them. Say, Lord, what does this mean? What are you trying to speak? What are you trying to say? Um, and God longs to speak into our lives and he longs to do a work and he will progress but that's what God longs for and we say Lord do it again do it again why? because the church as we said is the, the place where God uses the vehicle to preach the word to establish a gateway to heaven um, Genesis 28 16, 19 and Jacob awoke from his sleep and said Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Yes. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, mm. and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had less led previously. Was it Less, yeah. Jacob, not looking for the Lord, but this is none other than the place of heaven. A, a, an ordinary place intercepted by the presence of God. Thankfully, any ordinary place. God can minister. An ordinary bush, God comes and uses. An ordinary place, this is the gate, this is none other than the house of God, Bethel. This is none other than the gateway to heaven. That's what every local church should be. This is the place where people hear God's word, see, meet him, have a God encounter. Because again, again, in, in, in the first century church, you know, we talk about ritual and, and uh, structure, um, there wasn't a lot because that's why Paul had to bring a little bit of structure to the Corinthian church. There was a bit of chaos going on there. He said, wait a minute now, he said, I want you to move in the Holy Spirit. I want God to move, but have a bit of shape, he said. You know, have a little bit of shape, because they come in and think, there's a bunch of you know, headbangers here. You see, we need the manifestation of God. We need the supernatural dimension. But he said, look, everything done it with a bit of shape and order, he said. Um, but you know, with, with that's why we, we encourage come with something of the Lord, as we'll read now in a minute, 1 Corinthians 14. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner. 
and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be made bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Edifying, same words we looked at before, building up the church. All this is to be done by the edifying. They will come in, the word of the Lord is being ministered, the prophetic word is being spoken. God's word is, is being proclaimed and they will say, oh, their hearts are revealed. God is in this place. Secret to their heart, I need, I need God, I need the Lord. Conviction of the, why? Because the Lord is allowed to move and that's why he said, no, come. He said, come with something, bring something. Come ready. We said it before, the old, the, um, old people used to say, bring your fire. Bring your fire, isn't it? And the trouble is, we're coming to be ignited, isn't we? We're coming, and, but what do you say? Bring it. Stir up the gift within you, Paul said. Get the poker, get it in, and stir those embers up. Let the air, the Holy Spirit, come and, and catch fire afresh. Um, that's what God wants, to restore the church to what it should be. Ah, help us, Lord. This was their prayer. We read it last week. We'll read it again. Uh, the Apostles' Prayer, uh, Acts chapter 4. 26, 31. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, mm. and for the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom they, they have, thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatening, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God, with yeah, that's their prayer. Lord, you see the opposition, but Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to live this out. Come with signs and wonders to confirm your word. Just have your way, Lord. And uh, they were bold, even in the midst of opposition, difficulty, and uh, uh, potential death, wasn't it? Potential, certainly imprisonment, we saw another. So that's, that's our, our cry. Lord, restore your church. Restore what it should be. And uh, help us to be uh, conduits, not barriers and dams, isn't it? Let it flow in and through us. Amen. The Lord's good. He loves his church. He loves us. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.